Sorry I let that go a little bit long, but that's one of my favorite Christmas tunes, Carol of the Bells. Welcome, this is Ehud, son of Dennis, coming to you live from the Middle West of the divided states of America and to the Republic for which they stand, two nations under God, quite divided, liberty and justice for some. And it is a beautiful thing that the kingdom of God is not divided. Some may think it is, but in reality, Jesus knows who are his own. And I would have to say that, in that sense, we have uh, faith that when he comes back to reclaim his own, it will all be gathered into one again. Now, we as humans mess up a lot of stuff, and I would say... Uh, we have done our best to mess up God's church, even uh, with the focusing on our differences, focusing on the things that I think a lot of times probably don't even matter. Um, they may be important to us in how we worship God or how we, uh, you know, even have a church service, right? But even within those differences, God uses that to draw people to himself and that's a beautiful thing and we should be thankful for that and be uh about peace i mean how much how many times does paul talk about being of one mind being at peace and you know i think it's the enemy that gets us focused on our differences and trying to um keep us from being strong together as a church uh, and in our day and age we see the lack of strength in this country uh, to fight back against the evils that are coming against the church and against our society. Basically, celebrating depravity. Um, I was listening to an interview with a young man who wrote a book about the fruit of the Spirit and growing in Christ. And, and uh, you know, 50-some libraries, he said, would not let him come and read the book to people and do a book reading for kids. And yet, uh, they'll allow deviancy um, into the library and promote that to little children. And I just, it, you know, when I think about it, 10 years ago, we didn't even have supposed gay marriage, which isn't real. I mean, they can say that. They can, the state can sanction it. But, uh, you know, if you're getting married before God, that ain't that's not something he's going to sanction folks. I'm sorry. You know, you can have the most welcoming church that you want. I see a sign all the time that I drive by a church locally here that, that, uh, basically, you know, we're a welcoming and affirming church. You cannot affirm sin as a church people. It's not, this isn't, this isn't the way it works. You need to help people repent of their sin, no matter what that sin is. I don't, you know, it's not, but that's that's the difference. The difference in putting your faith and trust in the one true God of the Bible. The Bible is very clear about what, you know, mostly what sin is and what it's not. But when you put yourself before God in his ways, that is sinful. Um, you know, even going back to the Ten Commandments, you will worship the God alone. You know, God alone deserves your worship. He created you. He gave you life. And it's through that that you even have breath in your lungs. And so to um, try and mock him by 
blatantly sinning and then saying that he would accept that is, uh, man, I don't know. We need to be praying for folks and asking God to help them see uh, and repent, just like we need repentance for our sins, our own sins. And see, I think that's where uh, we get it messed up. You know, I think some folks just think, well, everybody's sinful, so what does it matter if um, they're living a lifestyle um, that God calls sinful, just calls it out, says it's an anathema, it's uh, not good. And yet, um, you know, we just go, well, you know, everybody's sinful, so we can accept that too. Just like we've accepted adultery, like it's no big deal. You know, go ahead and get divorced and marry three times. Um, you know, that's not what Jesus said to the woman at the well. He's like, look, go uh, and sin no more. Change, repent. Um, so, anyway, thank God he is a forgiving God. And one that has done what's necessary to cover all of that sin. But that doesn't mean we should be uh, affirming sin, folks. That's not the way it works. So be encouraged today, though, that he did what was necessary to cover your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. And when you read the Bible, you see the character of God come through in that aspect. That he doesn't want anybody to be lost even though some are so but I don't believe he wills that in any way so we are reading through the Bible at, at it's a religion we basically call the kettle black right the the theory of evolution is a religion evolution is a religion in and of itself it's a religious endeavor it's based on belief not science uh, they throw science in there so-called to um, try and support it somehow and make it uh, basically try and trick the public to say you know this is scientific and everything else is religious which is a big joke because it's no more scientific than uh, anything else on this planet and there's actually some really good science to support a young earth and the theory of uh, creation and the, well, I, I call it the fact of creation because that's that's the one written account that we have is that God created everything, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We have a written account of that by people who were there. And so that's much more reliable than millions of years in a bowl of soup. That could not have happened. So anyway, we are reading through the Bible and we are actually in Genesis 50 today. I can't believe that we're already at, at the end of Genesis. And we're going to be getting in soon to the exodus of Israel from back from Egypt. Right now they had just moved to Egypt. And Joseph is still uh, part of Pharaoh's court and things. And uh, Jacob, or, who is now known as Israel, has died. And we're going to see what happens here uh, when that occurs. So... Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph told the physicians who served him to embalm his father's body. So Israel was embalmed. The embalming process took the usual 40 days, and the Egyptians mourned his death for 70 days. Wow. 
When the period of mourning was over, Joseph approached Pharaoh's advisors and said, Please do me this favor and speak to Pharaoh on my behalf. Tell him that my father made me swear an oath. He said to me, Listen, I am about to die. Take my body back to the land of Canaan and bury me in the tomb I prepared for myself. <coughs> Excuse me. So, please allow me to go and bury my father. After his burial, I will return without delay. Pharaoh agreed to Joseph's request. Go and bury your father as he made you promise, he said. So Joseph went up to bury his father. He was accompanied by all of Pharaoh's officials, all the senior members of Pharaoh's household, and all the senior officers of Egypt. Joseph also took his entire household and his brothers and their households, but they left their little children and flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. I love that, the land of Goshen. A great number of chariots and charioteers accompanied Joseph. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Atad, near the Jordan River, they held a very great and solemn memorial service with a seven-day period of mourning for Joseph's father. The local residents, the Canaanites, watched them mourning at the threshing floor of Atad. Then they renamed that place, which is near the Jordan. Abel Mizraim, for they said, this is a place of deep mourning for these Egyptians. Hmm. So Jacob's, so Israel's sons did as he commanded them. They carried his body to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah near Mamre. This is the cave that Abraham had bought as a permanent burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After burying Israel, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show us his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Do not be afraid. Am I God? Can I punish you? That I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph lived to the age of 110. He lived to see three generations of descendants of his son Ephraim. And he lived to see the birth of the children of Manasseh's son Machir, whom he claimed as his own. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, When God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. The Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Thus ends the book of Genesis in the Holy Word of God, the Bible. And what a beautiful thing that is. So, we have Joseph, uh, who really, you know, saved a lot of folks.
and God used him as a tool to do so. When his brothers, again, did evil to him, and he didn't flinch, he just, okay, must be a purpose in all this. And so when we see that happening in our society today, we have to ask ourselves, what is God going to use this for? Um, and again, I believe the more dark it gets, the brighter the light is going to shine uh, in the end. So we can, uh, we can be aware of that. So, well, today we are experiencing some snow um, where I live. And, and I think we might actually end up with a white Christmas for once. Kind of fun. We haven't had one of those in a while. So I think it, last year, I think it waited till about three days after Christmas when it started snowing and, and stayed with us. Um, it looks like it got here just a little bit ahead of that this year. So I thank, thank God for that. So have a blessed day, and uh, Lord God Almighty, please be with us this day. Those who might hear this, pray they're encouraged in their faith. And those who don't, I pray that they would be drawn to you and know that you are the one true God, that you created us, you sustain us, and you saved us. You gave us hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming by, and we will see you tomorrow. my hands, my face, and hair with snow.